So we are in the middle of a series called Mountain Monologues. You might have a mountain monologue study guide. If you do, we're on page 35 today. And I'm off-centered. I don't want to do that. Anyway, um, Mountain Monologues has been a series about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most extensive passage of teaching in the entire Gospels. And we've worked our way through chapter 5. Now we're worked our way halfway through chapter 6. And we've been talking the last couple of weeks about what we're calling um, core or, yeah, core practices. The core practice of giving was a couple weeks ago. And then last week, Pastor Barry talked about the core practice of prayer. But today, we're going to talk about the core practice of fasting. And when I say the word fasting, I always get one of two responses. People's eyes glaze over and they go, fasting, isn't that something they used to do like hundreds of years ago? Uh, I, don't, I don't think they do that anymore. Or there's actually people that give me this knowing look because they actually do practice fasting here and now in the 21st century and they understand that it's an important part of our life as followers of Jesus. Now, if you've been part of New Life for the past several years, you probably know this, that I have not always done a great job of either practicing fasting or of teaching about fasting. In fact, in 2021, in January, not that long ago, I shared a message during which I apologized for not making fasting a regular part of my preaching and practice over the years. That's because the past several years have shown me, really 2020 uh, and forward, have shown me how important fasting is and how it needs to be part of our everyday life as followers of Jesus. So, Um, The take-home point today underlines how important fasting is. And if you are new, the take-home point is the one point we'll be making from the scripture we're reading that we want to take it home and live it out in our daily lives. And so here it is. Fasting is a regular part, notice regular is underlined, regular part of every Jesus follower's life. In the message from January 2021, which was in a part of a series that we called, If I Had a Do-Over. You know, we all want do-overs, but we don't get them in life. But if I had a do-over, I said this, uh, what I would do differently when it came to teaching and preaching about fasting. I said this, of all the messages I've ever preached, which is thousands, this might be the most important from a daily life-changing perspective. I say that because fasting is a spiritual discipline I've failed to practice and teach effectively over my 36 plus years as a pastor. That is until this time last year which was in 2020. You and I can't go back 36 years or 36 minutes for that matter and change what we did or didn't do back then. I can't fast every week for the past 10 years if I haven't already done that. But what you and I can do is we can start today. And right now we can practice whatever God calls us to practice to become more the people he created us to be before the foundation of the universe. New beginnings are a way of life for Jesus' followers, and that is such a blessing. Now, it seems a little weird to quote yourself in a message, but I did that because fasting impacts who we are and how we experience God in our lives as much as any spiritual discipline or core practice that I've practiced in my entire life. And I apologize to all of you who were here a couple of years ago as I shared my lack of teaching and equipping on fasting over the years. I have made up for lost time, however, in many different ways. First of all, this is the third time in uh, the last couple of years that I'm preaching on fasting. I fast on a regular basis, usually on Mondays. I have fasted uh, for a week in the spring and in the fall, and we have done 21 days of prayer and fasting where we've actually focused on fasting. I've done seven of the 21-day fasts over the past few years. And that's 
because fasting has become important in my life and is becoming a regular part of our life together as New Life Christian Ministries. So if our take-home point is true, if fasting is a regular part of every Jesus follower's life, what that means is that each of us who call Jesus Savior and Lord is called to do it regularly. So let's see what Jesus had to say about fasting. Before we do that, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are the creator of all that exists and that you are a loving God, a good God, who is always for us. We thank you for sending Jesus to the earth and we thank you that he lived a perfect life and that we have record of that life. And we have so much of his teaching recorded so that we can read it and hear it. But right now I pray that we won't just read it and hear it, but that we will also, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring it into our lives and be empowered to live it every single day. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus said, and when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, gloomy, for they disfigure their appearance so that they might appear to others as those who are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you are fasting, anoint your head and wash your face so that you will not appear to others as fasting, but to your Father, the one in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So as it was with his statements about giving and about praying, Jesus warns us not to do fasting the way the hypocrites do. And once again, the hypocrites are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the people in the crowd that day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was saying these words, would have once again gone, what? Because they thought the Pharisees were the best people in the whole country. They were certainly the most religious people, but Jesus is saying, don't be like them when you fast. And what he actually said was that the Pharisees, the other religious leaders, they disfigured themselves when they fasted. What does that mean? Well, they would put ashes on their head. Some of them would actually tear their clothing. So if you were in town, you're walking down the street and there comes a Pharisee with the, you know, ashes on his head and torn clothing. You, oh, must be a fasting day. And you could see it. It was very obvious. And Jesus said, don't do that. He said, instead, when we're, when we're fasting, if it's a day we're going to fast, we're supposed to do what we usually do. If you get up in the morning and take a shower most days, well, then take a shower that day. You know, don't, don't not take a shower. If you usually wear deodorant, put on your deodorant. If you wear cologne, if you comb your hair, if you have hair, then comb it. Be like normal. It's an everyday experience. It's supposed to be something that we do all the time. So the key is core practices are regular parts of our daily lives as Jesus followers. When we do them, we do them as acts of submission to God, not for human applause. So we don't want other people to know when we're giving, when we're praying, when we're fasting. Only God should know. And the thing about core practices of our faith here in the 21st century in America is there are not a lot of people who are doing them anymore. The core practices seem to not be such a regular part of everybody's everyday life. A couple of weeks ago when I talked about the core practice of giving, I, I said there's a continuum, a stewardship continuum. We start as owners. We all start out little babies. They're selfish, self-absorbed owners. And then we move maybe to being obligated owners. And eventually maybe we become obedient owners where we give 10% of what we make to the work of the Lord. But the real goal and, and the transforming moment is when Jesus becomes Lord and Savior of our life, and we realize we're not owners at all, but we are love-inspired stewards. And that is true of giving. It's also true when we pray. It's also true when we fast. So one of the challenges that we face in developing uh, Jesus' core practices here in the 21st century is a lot of times pastors don't talk much 
about giving and fasting especially. Many of them don't even really talk about prayer anymore. There's a reason for that because you know what Jesus said? Don't be like the hypocrites. But what Jesus was not saying is that we should never talk about giving, praying, and fasting. And if we don't talk about giving, praying, and fasting, how will anyone ever learn that their core practices of living as Jesus' followers. Jesus just doesn't want us to make a big deal about it and act like hypocrites when we do it. When we do these three things, it's supposed to be as natural, really, as breathing is to our everyday lives. So, Jesus said when we do these things in secret, in other words, between God and us, then God gives us a reward. If we do it for other people's reward or other people's affirmation, then that's all the reward we get. So when it comes to fasting, so few people have talked about fasting as a regular part of every Jesus follower's life here in America that most of us don't fast at all. It's just not a thing that most American Christians do. And I do take full responsibility for the case of new life being that way up until the past few years. But as I said, I have been making up for lost time. I have preached about it three times, and I'll talk about it with anybody who's willing to talk about it. If you are new, though, maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you're new to the whole church thing, and you're thinking, fasting, like, I don't know what that is, and why should I do it anyway? Why is always a good question. Anytime some pastor tells you to do something, you should ask, why ought I to do that? Well, the first answer that I'm going to give, a very simple answer is, fasting reminds us of our dependence on God. You know, it's very easy to be a self-absorbed owner when it comes to money, but it really can be that way with food. In fact, I know a lot of people who don't go for more than two or three hours without food. I mean, really, it's, it's like if it's breakfast, they're eating breakfast, but, but by the time it's 10 or 11, I got to have a snack and maybe you have lunch and maybe, you know, you're like a hobbit and you have second lunch or breakfast or whatever. You, you eat a lot. You know, and I'm not saying I don't, but I'm just saying that here in America, food is a, a really big deal, and we think that we're the ones who are the source of our food. In fact, last week, Pastor Barry preached about the Lord's Prayer, and right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And most people hear that and say, I don't need God to give me my daily bread. I have more food than I can eat in my refrigerator, in my pantry, in my freezer. And if I don't, I can go to Sprankles or Kelly's or I can just call Vocelli's and have him deliver. I don't know what the big deal is about God providing my daily food. But when Jesus spoke those words, everybody in the crowd that day was thinking about their daily bread. They got up in the morning and they worked in the fields to produce the grain that made the bread or else they went out and watched over their sheep or their cattle. It wasn't like it is for most of us, and not all of us, but most of us here in America today. They thought about food from sunup to sundown because it was a very big necessity. So few of us today are farmers. Few of us raise crops. We might do it, you know, for, for fun, or, or maybe some of us are a little more serious, you know, and canned vegetables and that kind of stuff. But most of us aren't farmers or ranchers these days. So when we fast, our bodies remind us of our need for food quite quickly. I mean, if you have ever fasted, it doesn't take more than a couple hours before your body starts to say, hmm, you know, there's a little, little rumbling noise. And maybe for some of us in four or five hours, we're getting hangry. You know, the hungry and angry. And we need a Snickers bar, we think, or something. Um, but the bottom line is, when we're fasting, our stomachs will remind us that there should be something in there and there isn't. If we think a little deeper, we realize that all the food we have or at least all the food most of us have, isn't just the result because we're hard workers. 
Because if we go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, God reminded the people of Israel, even the ability to work is a gift from him. Every single ability that we have, every single thing that we are and own, it's not ours in the first place. We are not owners, we are stewards. If we never fast, then we might never realize God's goodness in providing food because it's always there. One of the interesting things about fasting from a practical standpoint is the Bible doesn't say much of anything about how to fast. If you can read the Bible from cover to cover, you won't read much about how to fast. Why doesn't it tell us how to fast if it's such an important thing? Because back in that day, everybody did it. Everybody that was a serious Jew and then eventually a serious follower of Jesus fasted. Everybody knew how to do it. When you grew up in your home, as a little kid, you watched and you saw whenever your parents weren't eating or they weren't drinking and and they told you about it. It would be like if you invited me over to your house for dinner and we sat down at the table, you would not find a need to tell me what the fork and the spoon and the knife were for, would you? The the plate in the middle, the, the bowl up there. You really wouldn't need to tell me what all the utensils and all those things were for. The thing you might say is, hey, Joe caught that fish and he filleted himself, so be careful, there might be a few bones in it. But other than that, you wouldn't tell me anything about how to eat, and I would do just fine. That's the way it is when it comes to eating, but fasting was like that in Jesus' day. Everybody knew how to do it, so there's not much about it. It isn't something most of us grew up practicing in our homes, though, is it? Most of us didn't fast on a regular basis. Why is that? Well, we can trace that back probably to the Protestant Reformation when a lot of the Protestant uh, parts of the, of the movement said, hey, you know, that fasting thing, that's for those ascetic Catholics, those monks out there. We're, we're, we don't, we're free. We don't have to do that anymore. So it hasn't been taught. But here's the thing. Jesus said we can fast like hypocrites. But Jesus didn't say because you can fast like hypocrites, don't fast. He said, just don't fast like a hypocrite. When you fast, you're supposed to do it in a different kind of way. So how do we fast? Well, let's first of all define what fasting is. Fasting is going without food and or drink for a period of time for spiritual purposes. The main purpose is to draw closer to and to become more dependent on God. So by that definition, we cannot fast from television. I've had people say, you know, pastor, I fasted from television for a month. No, you abstained from television for a month, and during that month, you became a lot smarter and probably closer to God. But you weren't fasting by definition. The second thing is people will say, well, I fasted for 12 hours a couple weeks ago. I had to give you know, blood, and I had to have a blood test, so I had to fast for 12 hours. Well, no, that's not really fasting either because it's not for a spiritual purpose. I'm not trying to be legalistic here. All I'm trying to do is say this, fasting is simple. We stop eating and or drinking for a period of time to submit ourselves more fully to God. As I said a couple weeks ago, and as we say a lot here at New Life, submission is not natural to any of us. Submission means submitting our will, putting ourselves voluntarily under somebody else's authority. In this case, it's under the authority of God. So how long should we fast? That's between you and God. It's not a religious thing. It's a faith-developing thing, so it's between you and God. At times, we do offer opportunities for church-wide fasts here at New Life. Typically, it's that 21 days time in January. And I said, I generally fast once a week. I usually fast on Mondays, and I fast a couple times a year. Let me add something. Fasting is part of our love-inspired stewardship. Jesus told us to fast, but he didn't specify how often. He owns us, so we ought to let him guide us to, as to the when. When we listen in prayer, sometimes God says, I want you to fast. 
And, and it might not be verbal like that, but you know that maybe somebody that you know is sick and you just feel called to fast for them for healing. Or, or maybe sometimes you're, you have to make a really hard decision in your life. And you want some extra guidance from God. And so you take a time and you fast and you pray and you read the scripture more. And in that time, you're asking God, I want to be closer to you. I want to put you first in my life. And so you fast. Now, one of the things that people say all the time, well, the disciples didn't fast. That is true. When Jesus was walking on the earth, the Pharisees, the, the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and said, hey, why is it that we fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said, have you ever gone to a wedding reception? And they said, we're not eating anything tonight. We're just going to drink water. Has anybody ever done that? Gone to a wedding reception where the, the main course was water? No, it's crazy. You don't go to a wedding reception and not have something to eat, at least cookies, right? There's got to be something. And so when you're celebrating, you don't fast. But here's the thing. Jesus said, once I'm not here anymore, the bridegroom, that's what he called himself, isn't here, then they'll fast. And if we fast forward to Acts chapter 13, we read this. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, it was a normal part of their life. They were worshiping God. They were fasting. Five leaders in the church. It says, the Holy Spirit said, so they're in the midst of this time of worship, a time of fasting, and the Holy Spirit speaks. And he says, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So these five early followers of Jesus were worshiping God. We don't know for sure if they were seeking direction from God, but we know that they were fasting. And in the midst of that worship and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, we want you to set apart Saul and Barnabas for a special work. And they laid hands on him, just as we laid hands on Pastor Kristen last night as we prayed for her, just as I did this morning as I prayed for her. We have done that in the church down through the centuries. And, and so God spoke to them in the time of fasting. What were they not eating and drinking during that time of fasting? It doesn't say. And frankly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they were just fasting from meat. It doesn't matter if they were just fasting from wine or what. They were just fasting. And in the midst of that fast, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. So we can assume that when we're in the midst of times of fasting in our daily lives, whether it's the once a week fast or the 21 day fast, that God will speak to us. I do want to mention something because I've said that I fast regularly and have done so for three years. For the last eight weeks, I haven't been fasting. Actually, almost nine, I haven't been fasting. Before I had my hip surgery, for those of you who are new, I had my hip replaced nine weeks ago tomorrow. And the doctor said, and I don't know if he said this because I'm a pastor, because why would you even say this to most people? But they said, I don't want you fasting for the next 12 weeks. And I said, why? And he said, because your body needs extra nourishment when you're um, healing. So I've taken liberty to eat extra nourishment for the last uh, nine weeks, and I get three more weeks of that before I go back to having my regular time of fasting. Actually, if God told me today to fast, I would. Because this isn't a religious thing, and I'm not doing it for your affirmation. I, I do it because it's part of the regular, regular part of the life of every person that follows Jesus over time. So fasting is a regular part of every Jesus follower's life. What if you've never done it? 
couple weeks ago when I talked about giving, when I said maybe you've been a self-absorbed owner and you haven't given anything away that you've ever made. You've just used it for yourself. And you want to get to be that, that love-inspired steward. How do you go along those steps? And I, sa- I used the example of a marathon. Back when I was 49 years old, I, for some reason, thought I wanted to run a marathon. So I went outside and I took a run. And I ran an eighth of a mile which is not very close to a marathon, if you know anything about marathons. Um, And so the next day I went out and I ran a half a mile. And then I got a program, and for 20 weeks I followed the program, and in 20 weeks I ran a marathon, all 26 miles, 385 yards. I didn't walk one step. It was all running. It wasn't fast running, but it was running. See, it took 20 weeks to get ready. And what I said a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say again today. If you've never fasted, you probably don't want to do a 21-day fast. If you've never fasted, it'd probably be good to start by not eating a meal. I don't want to say skipping a meal. A lot of us skip meals. Why do we skip meals? Because we're, you know, in a hurry. We're busy. We don't have time. We say we don't have time. But most of us will make up for that at some point. Fasting is intentionally saying, tomorrow morning, I'm not going to eat breakfast. And during that time, I'm going to pray, and I'm going I'm to seek God for what he wants to do in my life. And so maybe you decide to do that every Monday for the next couple of weeks, and then that wasn't that hard, you say, and I I actually felt closer to God, so let's make it breakfast and lunch. And then you do that for a few weeks, and then maybe it's a whole day. So the thing I want to tell you about fasting, this very important thing, is fasting is not starving. Starving means you don't have any food to eat. Fasting is voluntarily not eating because of spiritual reason to draw closer to God. I can also tell you this, if you've never fasted before and you start this practice and one day you say, I'm going to fast for two days, you'll probably feel bad for two days. I'm just going to tell you, when you first start fasting, three days, first three days, not that great. For me, after the third day, fourth day, fifth day, it becomes really a blessing. Actually, I, I, I can honestly say that. It becomes a blessing. I feel closer to God. My body feels better. Um, and, and eventually... When you get to the, like the second week of a 21-day fast, when you've and build up to that, just like whenever you get to the 15th mile of a 26-mile race, if you're ready for it, it's not that bad. If you're not ready for it, you've already died, right? So when you get to that point of being able to fast during that time, I can guarantee you, you will sense God's closeness in a way that you haven't if you've never fasted before. And there are times where you go for a day or two or whatever and you won't experience any difference other than you're hungry. Or maybe you have a headache because you stopped using caffeine or whatever. Those kind of things are early on in a fast. Those things tend to dissipate with a long time of a fast. I do need to say, this country has a love-hate relationship with food. We gorge and then we whatever. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about not eating and or drinking for a specific period of time for spiritual reasons. Led by God, not so other people will say, oh, look at you. Not so other people will say, you know, what are you doing? You look so good. Because you will lose weight if you fast for 21 days. I guarantee you, you will. But that's not the purpose of the fast. And sometimes people regulate their their weight that way. That's not what we're talking about. That is not typically or truly fasting as we defined it because it's not a spiritual thing. Spiritual reasons produce spiritual results. And when we do that, many times I've had people come to me and say, you know, actually somebody just told me they couldn't sleep at night. They did the 21-day fast, and now they sleep like a baby every night. 
Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you. I'm just saying they gave up food for a period of time for spiritual reasons, and now their whole rhythm of life is different. That does happen occasionally, and sometimes God will speak clearly, just as he did when he took those five guys who were worshiping and fasting and pulled two of them out in that first missionary journey in the early church. Saul and Barnabas did as a result of people praying and fasting. So here's this week's next step. If you um, are new, the next step is simply one thing you can do as a result of being here and listening to this message because here at the end of the day, if we want to follow Jesus, it means doing something, not just hearing something. It's very simple. I will establish a pattern of fasting for my life. What that looks like is between you and God. What that looks like isn't going to be the same as it is for me, isn't going to be the same as it is for anybody else. As a family, you might decide to sit down and talk about this. And you might decide to choose the same day if you're a husband and wife or even a family and say, we're going to fast on Wednesdays or whatever. The Pharisees fasted every Wednesday and Friday. Didn't seem to work for them, according to Jesus, because for them it was just showing off. Um, It's not like that. So eventually, when we practice any new spiritual discipline, it's hard at first. It might even be impossible without the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our life. Eventually, it gets easier, or at least it gets doable in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we might even find ourselves, might even find ourselves experiencing a closeness to God that we've never experienced before. And that's not just true with fasting. That's true with giving. That's true with praying. It's true with all of the practices that we can practice as followers of Jesus because he designed us for relationship with him. When we give up ownership and let him be the owner he is and we become love-inspired stewards, whatever aspect it is we're talking about, our lives become more and more what they were created to be before the foundation of the universe. And that is always a good thing. Amen? So, Fasting, giving, praying, all those things are core practices of people who have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord, those words are very important and very specific. Savior means someone who rescues us from sin and death. Lord means owner, master, God. Here at New Life, we say that following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. But transferring ownership from me to Jesus, from you to Jesus, that is simple. It's as simple as A, B, and C. A is admit. Admit that we've acted like we own everything, that it's ours, when it really isn't. We admit that. That The Bible calls that sin when we think we're God and we're not. B is believe. Believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, that God sent him from heaven, that he lived a perfect life. None of us have ever done that. And then he gave up that life freely on the cross, died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin, And then he rose from the dead, returned to heaven, and sent his spirit to all who believe in him. We believe in him as Lord and Savior. And then C, we confess. The word confess can mean a lot of different things in English. The word confess in Greek means one thing. It means to say the same thing, to agree with. When we confess to God, we're agreeing with God that Jesus is our Savior and Lord. And then we ask him, if he will fill us up with his Holy Spirit. And that's not a one-time thing, but that's over and over again. He can fill us and renew us and strengthen us so that we can live as the love-inspired stewards we were created to be. If you've never done that, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to pray as if I am asking God to take ownership of my life. And you can pray this prayer. The words are not important. What's important 
is the transfer of ownership. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, the creator of all that exists, the lover of our souls. And right now, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I, I admit that I have thought that I owned it, that I, it was my work and effort and not yours that produced every good thing in my life. I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. He is your son. He is my savior and my Lord, the one who has redeemed me, purchased me from sin and death to new life. And I confess God to you first and to everyone who will listen that Jesus is now my owner and I'm a steward. I belong to you and I'm gonna live my life day by day by day, more and more and more living into that stewardship but I, I need you, the power of your Holy Spirit, the presence of your Holy Spirit in me every moment for that to take place. And God, many of us have prayed a prayer like that at some point in our life. Maybe we've gone off the path for a while and, and we just need to come back. And so, God, I thank you for convicting us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our need for you and of sin. And, and God, I also thank you for not condemning us because there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And I ask right now for all of us, God, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, new and fresh, that all that we are, all that we think, say, and do, that we will recognize it's yours, it's from you, and that we are stewards, and that you will give us guidance for how to give, how to pray, how to fast, how to do everything to your glory, honor, and praise. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.